Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me More. My name is Luke Stair, and today I'm joined by Dr. Dennis Wiles. We're missing Katie Reed Hodges today, but she will hopefully return to us soon. Uh, we have a great conversation just about the way that APEST functions in the life of the church, and we hope that it is meaningful and informative for you, and we look forward to see where this takes us. All right. Well, we are back at Tell Me More. Look at uh, us. We're missing Katie today. We are missing Katie. Both literally, I mean, in, yeah. in more than one sense of the word. We miss yeah. her when she's not here, but we also just miss her yeah. presence on the podcast. She always misses the the Monday after the Super Bowl. I don't know why that is. Is you, that tradition? Yeah, I think okay. she's always out. I don't know what she's doing at the Super Bowl. But no, actually, actually. She's at that fun stage of parenting yeah. where your kids get sick and then you get sick. That's right. Yeah, um, she's sick today. So sorry, so, Katie. We miss you. We love you. <clears throat> um, But... Last night was the Super Bowl. Yeah. What uh, yeah. what was the best thing you ate last well, night? Because for me, the Super Bowl is all about food. Yeah. Well, we we uh, typically what we normally do is Cindy cooks every Sunday, and then basically with our kids, grandkids, whoever wants to come eat, come eat. And uh, so she made roast and carrots and potatoes and brown gravy and mm. corn on the cob and. English peas and rolls. So that's what we ate both for lunch and then I ate during the Super Bowl. So it was awesome. Very nice. Absolutely. We had a great time. And uh, and I was pulling for the Chiefs, um, not because I'm necessarily a huge Chief fan, even though I do like – I like the coach. He's one of my favorite – They're a good team. He's one of my favorite coaches. And um, a couple other individual 49ers I really like. I just wanted it to be a good game. And I know a lot of people were acting like, man, it was such a boring game. And I, I thought it was actually a really good game. And then what an ending. My goodness. It was what an crazy. ending. Crazy. Uh, so, but I had on my, for the entire game, just for everybody to know, I had on my Dak Prescott jersey. And what I was saying to everybody was, I'm wearing this for next year's Super Bowl. I'm just getting ready for what I'll be wearing next year um, at, at this particular game. So yeah. I was representing Dak and the Cowboys. <clears throat> well, I mean, being from Missouri, Hey, we were talking about this before. The Chiefs were not my first loyalty team. I grew up as a Rams fan, which mm-hmm. Dr. Wiles found confusing. Yeah, the Los but Angeles remember, Rams. They were the St. Louis Rams. For like a minute. <laughs> Most of my childhood. <laughs> uh, but I do have an attachment to the Chiefs. As yeah. they ran out, I had this memory that I had forgotten about. Casey Wolf, their mascot, is leading out. He came to an assembly at my elementary school, I think, every other year. Oh, really? Because uh, I grew up that close to Kansas City. Yeah. And so just this there you go. remembering Casey mm-hmm. Wolf coming yeah. to my school. So well, I, go Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs I, kingdom. But you know, when I, was, when I was a little boy, um, of course, the Green Bay Packers were, were good when I was a little bitty boy. And my peewee football league, for whatever reason, we were the Inslee Packers. And so we wore the green and yellow, green and gold, whatever, the Green Bay Packers. And so the first Super Bowl, the Packers and the Chiefs played, you know, and, and my dad was a big Packer fan. So mm. um, I don't quite remember some of that, but I just remember being a big Packer fan. I never took you for a cheesehead. You know, well, it's just because, I, I don't know, we just, uh, I was a Vince Lombardi fan, my dad was, so we liked the Packers. Well, you know, in Alabama, we didn't have protein. No, so. there's no protein in Alabama. And you had the Falcons next door, but yeah, they but were would you ever root so for bad back then. <laughs> Lord help us. So never, never really pulled for the Falcons. And, uh, and, uh, but over time when Vince Lombardi 
left the Packers. He went to the Redskins and uh, in Washington, and my brother moved to Washington, D.C. So he and I drank the Kool-Aid, and I just became a huge Redskins fan, Joe Gibbs, that whole era. And um, and so that I've been a Redskins fan for all of my life, adult life, teenage life, adult life. And then when I moved here, the second time, first time I moved here to go to seminary, I was still a Redskins fan big time. That was back in the 90s, and man, the Cowboys were yeah. winning everything. It was awful for me. Yeah. Mm. And then Cowboys moved to Arlington. Well, now I'm a Cowboy fan, and uh, and we've struggled. <laughs> so, but anyway, <laughs> oh. but it is what it is. Well, it was a fun day. It was a it good was. day. For me, fun, the yeah. real winner was spinach artichoke dip. Ooh, okay. That sounds good. <clears throat> for me, yeah. it's all about the food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it was a sad day in sports yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. The world record marathon holder, Kelvin Kipton, died in a yeah, car crash. I saw that, yeah. Which is tragic. <laughs> yeah. So, he's yeah. 23 years old. Yeah. And uh, I also watched part of the golf tournament, too. So, I was going back and forth watching uh, the golf tournament, as uh, the PGA tournament, as well as the Super Bowl. But, um, but you know... It's Super Bowl's fun to me to watch. I mean, I, it's just um, it, it, I wanted it to be a really good game, and I thought it was a good game. And uh, so, and it doesn't bother me that they show Taylor Swift. Um, I think I like Taylor. There was Swift. a Taylor Swift bingo at our party. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. it was awesome. So it's all good. <laughs> but um, and I like I like Patrick Mahomes. He's just good. That's the they're a good team. They're, they're a fun fan. team. So so anyway, but but that's not why we're here today, it's right? Not. It's not tell me more about it about the Super Bowl. Okay. But we're here. We're going to talk about some other stuff. So the apes, as you've called them, we have been in this conversation about the functions in the church in Ephesians chapter 4. That's right. uh, Where we have been talking about, you started with shepherds and teachers, Mm -hmm. and this week you preached about apostles, prophets, Mm -hmm. and evangelists. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are going to just dive into that today, Mm -hmm. walk through who those people are, how they function in the church. Right. Right. so yeah. again, the the point of this podcast is you get down out of the pulpit and you go, <laughs> I wish I had time to say. Exactly. So yeah. what do you wish you had time to say yesterday that you just didn't get get to? Well, I, I think just the the fuller discussion of so when I was reading the text, I think if you try to accurately translate the Greek into English. I'm, I'm going to stand by the way I tried to do it Sunday morning. That is that Christ has given some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, um, some as pastors and teachers. And so the question to me would be, so we're at our church, is everybody in the church, every single Christian in our church, somehow gifted either in the apostolic vein or the prophetic vein or the evangelistic vein, if you will. And I've, I, I will say this. I know that, uh, you know, like Alan Hirsch, we've read Hirsch. Mm-hmm. His argument would be that at some level, everybody's in one of those five categories. And you, you might be in more than one of them. Typically you are because... Yeah, he would describe them as primary, secondary, yeah. and tertiary yeah. which intelligences I, which I, or functions. I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with that. However... I would probably quibble with it just a little bit in that I think it's primarily aimed at leaders that the Lord has given to the church. I think the spiritual gifts that are listed in other places in the New Testament 
um, to me, I would probably camp out with them when it comes to trying to figure out what everybody in the church is gifted to do. Now, I think you might can make the argument that all of those spiritual gifts that are listed, and I don't, I don't even know for sure, Luke. I, I used to believe this pretty, pretty strongly that the gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament are the only gifts there are. Mm-hmm. Okay, in other words, I think that most of my ministry life. I will have interpreted. I would have interpreted uh, Romans twelve, First Corinthians twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then of course Ephesians four as the exhaustive list. The, the, this is how you can be gifted. And you know, when you look at like spiritual gift inventories, those kinds of things, that's usually how they're written. You know, they're usually written with all of those gifts in mind, so to speak. But as I've gotten older, I've, I've begun to question that a little bit about whether or not that's an exhaustive list uh, in in the in the text, or whether it is it's a representative list to just let us know that these are the kinds of things the Spirit of God gifts His people to do, yeah. and it may be more exhaustive than that. Like like for example, the whole gift of music and worship guidance. I've questioned through the years, do I believe that's a spiritual gift? Not not right, just are you gifted musically. It's not listed right. in Scripture, but there seems to be something more to it. It does to me. I feel like in my experience in the church, there have just been some people who just are so gifted in that arena and 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 are, you know, like, like for example, you look at a guy like Chris Tomlin. I've read several interviews with Chris Tomlin, and uh, he started out when he wanted to be a country music star. That was kind of his dream. Mm-hmm. And then as he got, as he began to grow in his faith, he felt like God was calling him to the church. And he, at least in a couple of things I've read about him and in interviews with him, he's had people tell him, you know, you need to, you have the ability to write more, how would you put this, more thoughtful music, more um, complicated, whatever you want to call it. And Tomlin had said, at least in the part, the interviews I've read, he said, well, I, I feel called to help the church sing and worship. So I'm writing songs that are singable. I'm kind of using my terms for his thought. Well, I look at that and I think, well, that that's kind of a, that's a gift, in other mm-hmm. words. He, he, he feels called to the church and to help the church worship. He's not just a musician. Of course he's a musician. But there's something else going on inside of him that, to me, I question, is that a, I mean, wouldn't you call that a spiritual gift that the Spirit of God has given to someone which then leads me to, I guess, further um, just reflect that perhaps these are not exhaustive, perhaps. However, I would also say when I look at this list in Ephesians 4, I think Paul is very particular in what he lists in Ephesians 4 because the, the church, when you look at the needs of a church, I believe they're covered in those five mm-hmm. functions. And so it stands to reason they're going to be people that are going to lead them, lead the church in those five areas. Right. Now you may lead in two areas because you, like you said, you may have a more primary gift and a secondary gift, whatever. My yeah, question you, would you be: You teach if, and you right, apostle and right, you shepherd. Right. Question would be: Does everybody in the church do they fall into one of those five categories? Maybe I would look at it like this. This was I didn't really go into this Sunday morning, and I'm gonna have That's to why we're us, here. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give us some more thought. But we're, we're learning. Yeah, we, we are still we are. learning. That's exactly right. That's what I would tell you. I'm on, I'm on if a you're journey. not learning, you're dead. That's right. I'm on a journey here. So perhaps we might could look at the various giftings 
across the body of Christ, and perhaps you might take those giftings and somehow put them categorically into one of these five areas. That that's where they primarily seem to live and function mm. and thrive. If that makes sense, you're like yeah. if you've got the gift of mercy, okay, that's a spiritual gift listed in 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 the scripture. Yeah, does that fall under an umbrella of shepherding? Correct. You know, so I think they feed into these main functions of the church. But you may not necessarily have the gift of shepherding. You just may have the gift of mercy. You know, mm. um, you know, you have the gift of leadership uh, that Paul mentions in Romans. Um, you know. The gift of faith, well, that feels yeah. apostolic to me because most apostolic ventures are faith-filled ventures. And so I would probably, I want to spend a little more time trying to think through that of how I might see the fuller body of Christ gifted and how they may connect to these functions. Well, it's a good thing this podcast is called Tell Me More That's and right. Not Tell Me Everything. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. we're still we're still figuring this we out are. and wrapping our hands around it. Yeah. And I had a couple of people ask me already, okay, so, okay, you've been here a long time. I mentioned this Sunday morning a little bit. You've been here a long time. You've never really talked much about this. Well, I would say in my ministry life, um, I have focused more on the latter part of Ephesians 4. Um, and that has, or, or, or going through what, verse 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Kurt Grice here, he and I have had lots of conversations about as well the idea of what do you want the church to, to be? How do you want the church to look? And I can promise you, Kurt will point you to this. Kurt will say, well, we want the church to be built up. We want to have unity in the faith. We want to become mature. We want to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We don't want to be blown about by craftiness of teaching and deceit and all that. We want to speak the truth in love. We want the whole body joined and held together. In other words, that latter part of that passage, Kurt and I together, at least at this church, and and I would say me and other churches, have leaned pretty heavily into that part of the text. Okay, so this summer, while I'm off studying and, uh, you know, I came back and told y'all I really want to focus on Ephesians. I want to focus on what it means to be together. I think that coming out of COVID, this is a great time for us to foster this. But as I'm reading through the text, what, what, what I love about Ephesians is Ephesians has both the majestic and the mundane. It's part of the beauty of it. Because on the one hand, you start reading Ephesians and you are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You, you're seated in the heavenly places in Christ. You've got these inexhaustible riches. The sweeping mer- meta-narratives oh, yeah. oh, of goodness. our life in yes. Christ. You read all that and you're like, oh my goodness, you know. You keep reading and you get to Ephesians 5, and so here's this majestic, glorious presentation of, in, in Ephesians uh, 3, I believe it is, the manifold wisdom of God is on display through the church. I mean, you're talking about these grand, sweeping truths. Then you get to Ephesians 5 and Paul says, okay, Husbands, here's how I want you to treat your wives. Wives, here's how I want you to treat your husbands. Um, parents, here's how I want you. I mean, that's the mundane. That, that's the mundane. That's like, oh my goodness, you've gone from being chose, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, seated in the heavenly place, and all of a sudden you're in my business. You're, you're down at, you're at my house on a Monday night telling me how to treat my wife. That's the mundane. Mm. I love that, though, about Ephesians that Paul, because if you think about it, that's how we we live in the mundane. We do. We just do. But we need the majestic to help highlight and contextualize the mundane. And that's the part of the beauty of Ephesians. And so now, Paul, you get to Ephesians 4, and Paul says, okay, the church, 
The church is going to have to function. The church is going to have to live in a real world. Well, how do we do that? How, it needs these people. That's right. It's almost like the majestic and the mundane collide in Ephesians four. Yeah. You know. All right. You're going to have to have some. You're just going to have to have some real people in your church, or you can't be the church. This is just not going to work. So guess what? Jesus has said, as the Lord of the church, I'm going to give you these people. And so I'm. So as I'm studying this summer. For some reason, Luke, I get stuck in Ephesians 4 in verses 11, 12, and 13. I've always just ran really quickly past them because I've been, most of my life, I've been a practical cessationist, not a theological one. Yeah, you've just functioned yeah. like some of the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Yeah, just not really think much about them. Not Now, if you'd have pushed me and said, so you're going to argue theologically and biblically that there's no such things as there's no such thing as an apostolic presence in the church. Well, I would have said, well, no, no, I'm not. Cause you've been to Africa and yeah, you worked with these yes, church planting movements and you've that. experienced yes, prophetic ministries in course. those places. But if you say, well, how are you living that out in your church? I'd go, eh, well, you know, I don't know. I hadn't really thought much about it. Well, for some reason, and I think it, I think it probably has to do with my context right now. Um, I've been challenged by, um, a couple of pastors and churches. One of them, as you just mentioned, is a church that we partner with in West Africa, Pastor Emmanuel. The name of his church is Sent, and and it's an acronym: Salvation Enters New Territory. I love that yeah, so much. That's the name of his church. And so when and I've been there, I've met with him numerous times. And uh, this past time, Cindy and them were there. They went to church with Emmanuel. We we worked with him out in the villages because we're working with his church planters. But you're at his home church, and Cindy said there were about 200, 250 people at, at church that Sunday, along with our team. But he has 150 church planters out from his church. So think about that. He's Here he is. If, if, if you just counted the evangelists and apostles who go out from his church, there's 150 of them, and then he's got 200 or so, 250 or so, you know, at the mother church, if you will. So here's 400 people in this church, not counting, I don't know about all the wives and kids, but bottom line, you got 400 people and 150 of them don't go to church on Sunday morning at your church. They're out planting other Yeah, churches. they're out functioning Correct. apostolically. Exactly. So that's an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic church. And yet Pastor Emmanuel, that's what he's called. He's a shepherd. You know, he cares for these people. He loves them. Well, I've been challenged by that. And so I'm reading through Ephesians 4 this year, summer or this past summer. I can't get past that text. I get home. And there's actually an APEST conference happening in Dallas that you want to go to, and Ashley wants to go to, and K Katie wanted to go to, and Kurt, uh, I don't know that Kurt wanted to go to it, but Kurt didn't. We, we, we brought Kurt <laughs> yeah, along, Kurt and he went. ended up loving it. That's right. So, well, the next thing you know, you guys come back, and I've been hanging out in Ephesians 4 anyway. Which we didn't know. That's right. Yeah, we, yeah you didn't know what I was doing at all. You know, And next thing you know, we all get together, and you all start filling me in on this conference and things that you've learned. And I'm sitting there thinking— I have been camped out in Ephesians 4, and I can't get past verse 11. Okay. And we Lord, just went to a conference on verse 11. <laughs> exactly. What are you saying to us, Lord? So we start researching, yeah. and next thing you know, as you remember, I challenge you all as a staff, okay, let's do a deep dive on this at our staff retreat. Yep. You know, which So that's what we do. Next thing you know, we're asking the staff to look at themselves, look at their, their sense of calling, their giftedness, and we find a, a couple of tools, that one in particular, that we think is at least helpful. Again, nothing from Mount Sinai per se, but but a very thoughtful, careful analysis of these functions in the mm -hmm. church. And so consequently, um, and our ministers, directors, 
all take this survey, and then we look at those proclivities. And sure enough, we find people who have apostolic tendencies. Uh, we didn't find really any prophetically that we that are, was their primary gift. Our staff has right. a very low prophetic right. um, dimension to it, which but, I'm not shocked. No, we've got apostles, we've got a lot of teachers, shepherds. Um, a handful little, of evangelists. A handful of evangelists. Well, okay, so now we come into 2024, and I tell y'all, okay, we're going to unpack some of this in front of the whole church and just invite the church along for the conversation. So that's what's happened this winter. It's been an introduction to where we are, where I am, and I tried to be honest about that Sunday morning. Okay, this is kind of where we are. Now we're trying to figure out how does all this work? What, what does all this mean to us? And, and I'm trying to be honest with the church. Like I said Sunday morning, if somebody comes to me and calls themselves an apostle, well, that makes me nervous. But you know what? Paul never does that. Yeah. He, he never goes, I'm the apostle Paul. Yeah. Or, and Peter never says that. Yeah. You can yeah. search the New Testament. It's yeah. always Paul and apostle. Yeah. Peter, a servant mm-hmm. and an apostle. They never... Yeah. They don't put, brag about it. They don't put the <laughs> apostle in front of their name. Right. Ever in the New Testament. Right. So, like I said, it makes me nervous. But if you told me you were a shepherd, I would go, good. I'm glad you are. Me too. <laughs> so it's just mm. interesting to me that I'm comfortable on one end of that scale. I'm incredibly uncomfortable on the other end. But I think it's because it's been abused, you know, in, yeah. in the life of the church. However, um, I think one of the things that's already happening with us is when you, you have this little booklet that we've given to all the staff so that they kind of have an you can go in there and look, and you go, okay, I'm gonna have a I'm meeting. With. I'm gonna be meeting with Luke and Ashley today. Well, if I'm gonna expect Luke and Ashley to their very first thought to be about shepherding, not that they don't care about our people. We love our people, of very, course. We, we, I love you very much. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> Let me look into the camera and say that. But if I'm expecting you very first thought, if I push you to be about shepherding, well, well, I'm gonna be disappointed. Because that's not your primary thought. Whereas if, if, if Katie's going to be in the meeting, and let's say it's me and you and Kurt Grice and Katie and Ashley, which actually that's a real team. It is a real team. Okay. Well, you if you expect Katie's Hodges' first thought to be apostolic, well, then you're going to be disappointed in Katie. You know? And if you don't know that, you may be wondering, I wonder why Katie didn't care about reaching people. You know? Well... Katie's primary calling is to shepherd. And Katie's going, I wonder why they don't care about taking care of our people. Exactly. And you've got Kurt Grice, who who's off whatever the score is in teaching. Kurt, I think it's on a scale of 50. And I think Kurt gets a 50. Yeah, he's off the chart. Kurt's looking at us going, well, if we're not going to form them and shape them and teach them, why would you even reach them? There's no reason. Why would you even go after anybody else if we're not teaching the people we have? Once again, if you're expecting Kurt's first thought to be apostolic, you're going to be disappointed. But now we we know we can look at right. each other and go, well, of course, Katie's going to be concerned about how we shepherd these people. Of course, Luke and Ashley are going to be pushing us to think a little bit differently. Why why not? Why can't we try that? Why wouldn't that work? Well, why, why mm. won't you let me start that? Whereas you got the shepherd in me sometimes saying, mm, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what I think about that. But there's enough apostle in me that wants to blow in in the sails of these apostolic yeah. efforts. So I think it's already beginning to help us relate to each other better. Agreed. Um, and then also as we start thinking, here's where I believe we're headed. I believe it's all morphing. That's what I would say to, to our church members. Cause I know some people are wondering, okay, 
What do we do with this? What does it mean? <laughs> you know, well, what's already starting to happen is as we start thinking about needs in the life of the church and developing teams that are going to help accomplish that, well, we can be thoughtful about who we put on those teams. Right. You know, to, to make sure that the primary voice, if the primary voice needs to be apostolic, then Katie probably doesn't need to lead it. No, no disrespect to Katie. But if if it's going to be a conversation about how we're developing some ministry that's going to care for our people, I'm probably not going to put Ashley at the head of that conversation. I'm going to put Katie at the head of that conversation. Right. So it's already beginning to bear fruit a little bit, right. you know, in the life of our planning. Now, that to me is going to be factored out across the life of the of the church because we already know. If, I mean, I've been here for a long time, so I look at some of my people. I already have an idea about some of our folks and where their proclivities are. Yeah, and so I think it's going to end up bearing even more fruit across the life of our church to help us function more effectively in our giftedness and fit into one of these five functions a little more effectively. You know, mm-hmm. like I, there's a guy in our church who's he's just strongly evangelistic, and um, that's just who he is. And, and he came up to me Sunday morning, and, and and he said, "Man, finally," he said, "I was sitting there last Sunday thinking we've heard enough about shepherds and teachers. Finally, <laughs> finally, you're talking to me. You know, let Ooh. me loose." Well, awesome because that is who he is. That's how he sees himself. But he wants to be, he wants to be in the context though. Of yeah. the church. Well, and that's one of the things I want to press into today as we continue to talk. You mentioned this kind of dichotomy that emerged with Ralph Winter between right. the gathered and sent church. Some people would use church, para church language. Right. Paul Mo- didn't write modality, sodality. Paul didn't write any of that. There's that's just right. church. That's exactly right. Um, and speaking as someone who I think is fairly strong in the apostolic camp. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be outside the church. I've been outside the church. Mm-hmm. I know where my calling is, and it's inside mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. But I, there are times when that's I'm here to to pull and to push, and mm-hmm. we can talk more about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I think is interesting is when you read the Apostles' Creed, if you've ever read it, if you've never read it, I'd encourage you to. You'd probably agree with most of it. If you don't, mm-hmm. let's talk. Um, but it describes the church as one holy Catholic and apostolic. So one being unified, holy, sacred. Those words make sense to us. Catholic mm-hmm. is with a little c. It just means universal in that Correct. creed. Apostolic has been used in different ways in different traditions. So if you were to go to an Episcopal or Catholic church, they're going to say apostolic means it's direct hands-on succession from the Correct. apostles. So Correct. it's Peter laid his hands on so-and-so, mm-hmm. who laid his hands on so-and-so, mm-hmm. who laid his hands on so-and-so. Apostolic succession. Yes. Mm-hmm. But in the truest sense of the word, that just means the church is Sent. That's right. So the church is one, holy, universal, universal. and sent. Correct. Sent into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think about Ephesians 2, verse 20. Um, this is another line in Ephesians that talks about apostles and prophets. And it says, the church built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone mm-hmm. in him. This is verse 21. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him... You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Mm-hmm. So when some people talk about APEST, what they, one of the things they talk about is this apostolic dimension is the DNA of the church mm-hmm. in many ways. It's mm-hmm. what keeps the church moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily putting apostles as the prime leaders. They're all right. necessary right. and needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a sense in which the apostles are foundational mm-hmm. to the identity. This apostolic nature is 
mm-hmm. crucial to the identity of what the church Correct. is. Not that the others aren't. You need right. all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. the church is sent mm-hmm. into the world and prophets help build us up and connect us to God. And evangelists connect people to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of beauty in that. Um, and we can talk more maybe about apostles, prophets, and evangelists. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've got some thoughts as someone with some <laughs> apostolic leaning mm-hmm. um, and it, maybe experiences with prophets. Neither mm-hmm. of us are particularly prophetic. Yeah, that's right. But Well, you know, it's interesting. As I shared that story about being at the U.S. Center for World Mission, you know, Ralph Winter, he He's really the guy that I think gave the vocabulary. I mean, obviously the ideas were already there. And he he borrowed the language from the sociological world right. and modality and sodality. Um, and even even people that are very strong proponents of that, they always have struggled with that nomenclature. Ralph was a very, or Dr. Winter, I would say, just a very intellectual man. I'm glad I got to know him just a little bit and spent part of a summer with him and read his material and I got to listen to him lecture, and and I got lectured by him. So, <laughs> um, but uh, um, but he was adamant about it. He just said this makes complete sense. Um, everybody understands modality and sodality, and I'm sitting there thinking, mm, I don't know that everybody understands it. But you can get pretty <laughs> entrenched in the way you see the world. <laughs> That's, right. That's always a good reminder. That's right. But in his mind, you know, modality is the neighborhood, the community. Everybody's welcome. The sodality is what he would call that second decision. You're going to join something, and it's only for people that are like this. And so. His his um, basic premise was, no matter where you go missiologically, I don't care if you're starting a brand new work in Asia or in Africa or in one of the Americas, here's what you need. You need a modality and a sodality. You need the, the local church where everybody's welcome. You make a decision to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, male, female, Jew, Greek, Gentile, whatever. Um, slave, master, I mean, back in the ancient world. His point would be, you join the church, you're there. And on APES, that'd be the ST right. side. And yeah. Maybe E is bridging yeah. it. Right. But. Then he said, he argued that, okay, but in order to reach the culture, in order to take the gospel everywhere, you've got you've to look at the New Testament and realize the Apostle Paul didn't just stay in a local church. The Apostle Paul said, I've got to go do something else. And Barnabas, of course, goes with him first. He calls that a missionary band. That that's um, Ralph's original term. He said, "So what is that missionary band? Everybody's not welcome in it. It's not women and children. It's not masters and slaves. It's not. That's not what it is." He says, "It's a, a second decision was made. I feel called to go do that." He calls that the sodality, and his argument is that you've got to have both of those if you're going to take the gospel to a culture because. You're going to have some people are going to feel more called to the sodality um, who are going to come out of the modality, if you will. (coughs) Well, that's led to a lot, as you might imagine, a lot of conversation. And so I've been reading this book by Metcalf. I can't remember his first name. It's called Beyond the Local Church. And and, um, this this brother's, he's spent most of his life working for a mission agency. Now I can't remember the name of it, but but it has a new name now. He's he's just retired. He's no longer the director of it. But his argument is okay. I agree with Ralph Winter. You need and he says, but I don't like the language modality and sodality. So he uses it left foot, right foot. He says the church has a left foot and a right foot, and you need both of them to make progress, if you will. Mm-hmm. So 
he says, you know, the church, the modality is the left foot, I believe is what he says. And then the sodality, the mission organizations. And he says things like Campus Crusade for Christ or yeah. you know, InterVarsity Fellowship or International Mission Board or Pioneers or the one he started. Anyway, whatever, that's the right foot. And he says, so here's what's happening. Church is stepping through the culture. He said, here's what bothers him. He says, a lot of pastors say there's only a left foot. If you're going to talk about the church, be careful because the ecclesiology of a, of a local pastor, he says, is limiting. It's his critique of us. He says, because you won't acknowledge us as the church, you call us parachurch. And he says, we're highly insulted by that. He said, I'm working in a mission organization, but I'm the church. I'm just the church. I'm the right foot of the church. And if you're the pastor of a church where not everybody's called to be sent like that, that's the left foot of the church. And he said, so my experience, this is his argument, he said, my experience is all, not all, most of the apostles and prophets belong with me. If he were talking to me, he'd say, not with you. <laughs> mm. You need the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. I need the prophets and the apostles and some evangelists with me and let us go, and we're going to feed back into you. Okay. Well, as I've read that, I get it. The way I chose to refer to that is the gathered church and the sent church working collaboratively together and trying to figure this out is kind of how I would see it. And yeah. I would argue that the gathered church and the sent church have a symbiotic relationship where we do life together and you need the apostles and the Well, and we need and to recognize that many of these organizations, parachurch or sodalities, were started because the gathered church would not accept the work they were doing. So they had to break off. That's right. Yeah. There, some was, of it was practical for them. Yeah. And so they, you know, mission agencies started mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons, right. but sometimes mm -hmm. it was because, or campus organizations started because yep. they just weren't getting blessed by their churches to right. go do the work. Or flip side, churches were starting them. You kind of got a yeah. both end. And so, so there's a mix. Yeah. So I, I hear the argument Metcalf makes. I think that there's a ditch on both sides of the road is what I'd say. Once again, I think you just can go too far. You can push and just say apostles all have to live in that sodality sent church kind of world. They just don't belong in the local church. They're going to drive everybody crazy. They're never going to be allowed to do anything. There's always going to be a, a thumb over them, you know, because the shepherd's actually in charge, that kind of thing. I, I, I would say that I think that's possible. But here's what I would also say. Um, we've worked with enough mission organizations across the world through the years that get just as restrictive as any local church, mm -hmm. you know? And so what we've tried to do here at our church is kind of embrace the best of both worlds and live into it, into it as best we can. So when we made the decision to start training and sending our own people we realized we still needed networks and sodalities, if you will, to be supportive of us. But we wanted some of these apostolic evangelistic people to still be a part of who we are, but to be sent from us and still be connected to us and be a part of who we are. And so that's what we've tried to strike here. Is it perfect? No. Do we still use uh, these sodality networks? Well, of course we do. Um, However, what I love about what we're trying to do is, is, in, is allow the apostolic edge of our church to be lived out in ways that are still connected to First Baptist Arlington. So, so we have global centers, you know, right. in three places across the world. We also have a strong work here locally at home um, through Mission Arlington, and they're all, they've all been historically connected to us. And so trying to, trying to find our way through all of this 
And to find our next apostolic yeah. edge. Yeah. What is what's what's next in front of us? What where do we go from here? That that's kind of where I am. I would I would like to continue that model if we can. Um and you know, granted, sometimes if if you think that uh the sodality, if you will, the sent church needs to be spun off. In other words, if it's gotten big and strong and, and and it seems to have a life of its own, I get that. That does happen sometimes. And I'm not too freaked by it as long as the church doesn't lose its apostolic prophetic right. evangelistic edge. I just don't want to surrender everybody that's gifted that way to the sent church because I think the gathered church has got to maintain a, a dynamic and a health that is only available when all of these functions are alive and well in the church. I would agree. So, so that's what I'm trying to figure out how to do and how to live that out in a local context. And I'm honest enough to say it's, it's a to be continued. It's, it's not firm yet right. for me. There's still some questions about it, but the fact that I'm exploring it and, and we're all having a conversation about it, we're praying about it. And that, that's why Sunday morning I invited all of you church members, if, if you're a church member listening to us, just pray with us right now. What is God saying to us about this? What is God saying to you? You know, and where are you feeling called? And how do you fit into one of these functions if that's where you need to find yourself? Um, we want to we want to figure that out and do that together. Yeah, that's the goal. We want to do it together. So. Exactly. I think that's a great place to stop. Yeah. So, well, thank you all for mm-hmm. listening. Uh, we will be back next week mm-hmm. with a new series together in Ascent. That's right. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday at our church under yeah. sanctuary at 6 p.m. That's right. It's a really special service. It'd be great to have you all there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will begin journeying towards Jerusalem with Jesus mm-hmm. through the season of Lent. to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.